Hey there, I'm Emily and you're listening to Self Talk. Hello and welcome again to Self Talk. I'm your host, Emily, and this week we're going to talk a little bit about introspection. So as you may know by now, this is a podcast dedicated to looking within our brains and looking at the way that we talk to ourselves. Literally, it's me talking to myself, but also talking to you. So like I said, this week we're going to talk about introspection, developing self-awareness and tools for kind of tapping into the voices and the thoughts that are going on within your head and trying to sort out which ones are the ones that really reflect how you feel, what you're thinking, and which ones maybe are the ones that are voices that you can ignore or or listen to but maybe acknowledge they're not the ones that accurately reflect how you feel. Sometimes, depending on who you are, There's kind of a jumble up there, and it's hard to tell what you want or what you need or why things are going the way that they are. And so if you can develop the skill of introspection, then you can know a lot more about yourself and hopefully be a happier person and a better person. My goal when I try to look within, look within the darkness that lurks in my mind is to break through the noise of the internal voices that I have, but also kind of push out external influences that are bombarding my brain and my thought patterns, then trying to push them out of the way, clear out all of the dust and debris and noise and junk that's going on in there and find who I really am as a person and how I really feel. As someone who's anxious and sometimes a little bit depressed or dealing with other things, it's tough to kind of realize which voices are who I really am. When you're anxious, the anxiety voices, the ones that are freaking out, the ones that are panicking for whatever reason, can make it really, really tough to understand what's going on in your brain and how you feel about something. Just an example from my life, whenever I have an event that I'm planning or performance, the anxiety voices within my head just flip out. And as I get closer to the event or the performance, they just get worse and louder and louder and freaking out and like, why are you doing this? You need to stop. You shouldn't be doing this. Let's just cancel. You don't need to do this. Oh my God, there's so much you have left to do. You're freaking out. And most of the time, they're not right. And they don't accurately reflect how I feel about that performance because I decided I wanted to do it at one point. It sounded like something that I would enjoy and something that I would want to do. But these immediate anxiety voices that are buzzing around in my head, they mislead me. And so your anxiety might make it hard for you to recognize the thoughts that you want to actually pay attention to and the way you actually view the world. So yeah, that's for anxiety. I Also, if you're somebody who's depressed, sometimes for me it feels like my brain is just filled with honey or molasses, and my whole body just feels so heavy 
and bad and you feel kind of numb almost to the things going on around you. And if you don't have that excitement or feeling that you may normally have when you're not in a depressed state, it's hard to recognize how you feel and how you, I mean, you know that you're not feeling good, but it's hard to recognize what is important to you and what matters in your life and who you are as a person. Because any kind of mental struggles that you may have, have the tendency to hide or distract us or obscure who we are at our core. And yes, my anxiety and my depression are a part of who I am. And I'm not going to say that they don't inform who I am as a person and how I feel about the world. But there's also the Emily that resides underneath those layers. And she's a different Emily than anxiety Emily or depression Emily. And I think that if you can use tools to help you diffuse, blow away, whatever kind of metaphor you want, get rid of those cobwebs or buzzing bees in your head from these these negative thoughts or distracting thoughts or not productive thoughts, then you can figure out who you are as a person and what really matters to you and try to shape your life in a way that makes you happy and makes your existence meaningful. So, okay, this is all great. You're like, fine, Emily. Yeah, this is common sense. If I didn't have these annoying voices in my head telling me that everything is really stressful and freaking me out or making me feel like I don't want to do anything. Yeah, of course, of course my life would be better. But I'm going to try to give you two tools this week for things that I use to look within and develop a little bit of self-awareness. One thing before you kind of dive into looking within is to be careful. Sometimes we don't want to look within because we're scared of what's actually lying underneath the surface layer of our minds and who we are as a person. And it might be scary to try to delve into that. And if you're somebody who is dealing with depression, if you're not in the right mind frame, if you start to just reflect, it can become kind of a vicious cycle of, why am I so depressed? Why do I feel this way? Why are these things so terrible in my life? And you're kind of circling through that. That's not a super productive thing to do, and I don't recommend it. But you can try to frame it in a way that is less dependent on you having all of the answers about who you are as a person, as weird as that sounds, and less attachment to kind of the emotional state that's going on at that immediate moment and look at things from a more macro level or really a more objective view. Really quickly, if you're going to do any introspection, if you're going to delve within yourself, I'd like you to, something that I always say, be gentle. Try to put yourself in a mind frame of being non-judgmental of the thoughts and feelings that you have about something. For example, let's say that you want to know why every time your coworker, and this has nothing to do with my job, this is a hypothetical uh, scenario, so please don't read anything into this, this is just off the top of my head. Let's say you, when your coworker comes over and asks for your help with a certain project or task and then uses the work that you gave to them to kind of 
promote themselves, why does that make you upset? And objectively, we can all be like, well, because they took your work. But there might be something else to it. It might be a feeling of not getting the recognition that you need in general. It might not have anything to do with the other person. And if you can approach that from being understanding that, yeah, you're upset. Yeah, maybe it's a little bit irrational that you are angry at this person. Your feelings are yours. And because that's how you feel in the moment, and that's how you're experiencing it, it's a valid way of viewing things. It might not be the best way of viewing things, but it's part of who you are. And if you can identify why you had such a strong reaction, then you can help prevent that type of reaction in the future. And there's some theory behind the kind of questions that you do ask yourself when you dive into self-awareness. And the biggest one that I found and I think it's pretty, it makes a lot of sense and it's a pretty easy one to remember, is that when you're asking questions about yourself and you're looking within, trying to avoid why questions and using what questions, a lot of times why makes us feel like a victim. Why does she always have to take my work and say that it's her own? Why do I never get credit for anything that I am accomplishing? That puts you in kind of that victim mindset. If you can frame it in a way that doesn't immediately put you on defense or feeling hurt or upset, but rather in a more non-judgmental, objective, calm mind frame, then you're going to figure out things better for yourself and you're going to feel better most likely. So yes, not using why questions if you can help it and instead ask what. Yeah. So not why am I so awkward? Why am I so awkward? That's a question that I ask myself all the time and I have not figured out the answer. Maybe I should be asking myself, what makes me feel awkward? What kind of triggers are making me have that awkward reaction? And what exactly am I qualifying as awkward? And that way I can think more analytically about it and not just feel terrible because I'm a horribly awkward human being. I recommend that if you're somebody who has a really hard time getting in touch with your emotions and what's really going on up in your noggin, to take baby steps. Don't expect that you're immediately going to find the root of all of the issues in your life and all of the reasons why you feel the way you do and what triggers you in all scenarios. Start with something small. You can start with maybe just like a little inconvenience in your life or a little thing that is upsetting you, just something tiny, and looking into what the source of that is and what is it that's going on in your mind and externally that's making you feel that way. One other thing that I would like to say before I give you my tools, I know I'm babbling a lot before we get to actual tips, but I want you to also consider that you may have the voices that are rattling around up in your head, not because of your own kind of issues or mental state, but because of sources that are coming in externally. So we are constantly bombarded with all kinds of messages, especially with social media 
and television and advertisements and all that kind of stuff, you're bombarded with so many different messages. And a lot of them are conflicting messages. And a lot of them like to superimpose ideals onto you that may not be what you actually want or what you actually like. So for me, and this is something that's pretty personal and I would like to talk more about in a different episode, but I have struggled in the 31 years of my life to not hate the way my body looks. And it's still a struggle. I'm not saying this because I want you to feel bad for me or that I want any kind of sympathy or reassurance that I'm a decent looking person. I, for a very huge chunk of my life, have felt lesser because I am fat. And even in the times of my life when I've been thin, I just, I always felt like I wasn't enough and I wasn't putting enough priority on being thin. And I wasn't making myself the perfect ideal person. And therefore, there's nothing about me that is worthwhile. And that's terrible. I think I'm a pretty interesting, awesome person now. But it's through introspection and trying to identify what are the things that are triggering me for feeling terrible about my body and starting to spiral into the kind of obsessive thoughts about my weight and my appearance and feeling horrible and noticing those things and figuring out ways to negotiate them because I'm not going to stop being on social media and even with all of the things that I can follow with body positivity and body acceptance and all that really great stuff out there, there's still, everyone shits on fat people. It's just, it's just a fact. Every, even fat people themselves, for the most part, are, are hateful towards themselves. And so it's tough to, to kind of push those voices away so that I can listen to what's inside me and say, hey, wait, my body and my weight does not define my value as a person. And honestly, I don't care how fat I am. Like I do in the context of a grand cultural scheme and me trying to deprogram the 31 years of being told that my body is horrible. But I don't actually care. If I really think about it, I'm happy. I, I kind of like my body. I can do really cool things. I can belly dance. It carries me through my life. It is beautiful. And so it, it doesn't really matter what those other voices are saying. And I don't have to devote my attention and my thoughts away from achieving things that I want to be stuck on obsessing about my weight. Because it doesn't matter to me. It just doesn't matter. Just because it's important to someone else doesn't mean it has to be important to you. And just because society says it's something that you have to obsess about doesn't mean that it has to be valuable to you. Except for dogs and cats and other cute animals, everyone must love them. So when you go into your meditative, introspective journey, let's do some ASMR. Let's talk about... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> when you go into your introspective journey, here are two tools that I use. The first one is using tarot. So a lot of people think of tarot as a predictive tool, something that's going to 
divine what your future holds and what is going to happen in your life. And some people use it for that, but I don't. I use tarot cards to help me look within and reflect upon messages that are coming from the tarot cards, the themes and the things that they embody, and figure out how that fits into my life. Some people think it's like a confirmation bias type thing with tarot cards because you see something and it's generic enough the, what it's telling you that you can apply it to your life. And that maybe that's true. I don't necessarily view tarot in that way. I do. As much as I'm not a spiritual person, I do kind of feel a connection with my tarot cards, whether it's because they've helped me figure out things about myself or because I've touched them so many times that I've actually transferred energy into them. I have no clue. And that's not what's important. What's important is that I'm able to look at the cards that I draw and think, okay, well, what is this trying to tell me? A lot of times I'll just pull one card for the day and say, okay, what is the energy that this is going to reflect in my day to day? What do I need to be aware of? What's going on within me that maybe I should be thinking about? And I'll pull a card. I've been getting a lot of the high priestess when I draw cards. And that one has to do with intuition and kind of looking within, which is funny that I'm talking about that. But you get a card. I first just kind of do a gut reaction. Some of the imagery is really powerful. Like, let's say with death, it's literally the horseman of the apocalypse. Horseman. It's literally death. I can't say horseman for some reason. Well, because it's a singular horseman. It's death. It's a skeletal rider on a horse and there are people dead on the, on the ground and there's somebody like begging to live. That can be pretty freaking scary if you draw that. That image, imagery is really powerful. And so you can think, well, okay, I'm probably not going to die today. I mean, maybe I will. I can't really, I probably don't have much control over that. But what is it in my life that maybe I'm feeling is passing away or is dying? Because death isn't just about death. Death is about the transition from one state to another. And there's all kinds of other interpretations for this card. But it's a change and it's letting go of something. And it's so you can figure out what about that in your life applies to you. Are you death? Are you secretly having a fugue state where you're actually a murderer and you need to be able to figure that out by looking at the tarot cards because they're secretly clues from you in the spirit realm that's going to tell you that you are the killer in the mystery that you're investigating? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know your life. You could be metaphorical death and that you are the person that's causing this, this transformation or change. Or you could be the person that's trying to cling to whatever life was going on before, whatever state you want to be in that's not really working out. And so I think it's really cool. It gives you something external that's questioning you, that's putting a thought in your mind that you may not have thought about and making you think, okay, well, what does this mean? What does this mean to me? And where do I fit this into my mind right now? I recommend doing your own reading or just pulling your own card because it's about you and it's about looking into your brain. If somebody else tells you or interprets your cards, that's kind of fun and interesting and they may give you some tools to reflect back on yourself, but you're not getting that kind of initial gut instinct or 
feeling that you would get from seeing a card. And your reaction is meaningful. What the card means to you is the most important thing, even if it's not the technical interpretation. Number two. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm a child. The second tool is journaling. Okay, yeah, like Emily, of course it's journaling. Whoa, this is dumb. Why do I need to listen to this? And I'm saying very specific journaling. This journal, you can think of it as a scientific journal. Like maybe you are the captain of a starship in Star Trek, and you are doing your captain's log of the day's events or what's going on. But instead of it being about, like, fighting aliens or meeting new species, it's about what's going on in your brain and your experiences that day, how you reacted to them, your feelings about them, your thoughts. But, here's the but. <laughs> the important part is that you need to approach it from as objective and scientific a manner as possible. So you are going to pretend maybe you're an anthropologist and you are writing about this person that you've been observing or this society that you've been observing. And you're going to write down all the details and the things that you've observed about this and why this reaction happened or what caused this to happen in that person's life. And that person is you. You're looking at it from as much of an external perspective as possible. And then from that, you can make a hypothesis about what was the source of this and what maybe can create a different scenario or what you can try to look into in your brain that may help you deal with a situation like this. So I'm talking a lot in concrete scenarios, but it might just be that you want to know more about yourself. And the tarot kind of goes into that, but you can use this captain's log anthropologist's journal just kind of write down what's going on in your brain and then trying to do it in an objective and non-judgmental I keep saying that but it's important because if you make yourself feel bad for the feelings that you're having there's there's no point there's no point in upsetting yourself more if nothing else maybe you can get from this a sense of that you're not alone if you're struggling with your thoughts you're struggling to figure out how you even feel about something. It happens to a lot of people. And you're not alone with that. But if you can figure out tools and figure out how to be more aware of how you react to things, what causes you to feel certain ways, what's important to you, and what you value, you can maybe make a little bit of a more positive change to your life. Thank you once again for listening to the podcast. I hope that maybe you got something out of it, whether it was just a little tidbit or a little bit of more introspection for your own life. I don't know. I just hope you got something out of it. If you listened to the whole thing, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. Um, if you have a moment to share it with a friend or, or like it or review it, whatever you want, I would really appreciate it. But no pressure. I hope that you have an excellent week, that you are able to harness the power of constructive self-awareness and introspection. I will talk to you next time.